Hi everybody, it's Sarah. Welcome to another episode of Well This Isn't Normal, the podcast where we talk about dealing with all of this. I have felt wildly not normal recently. I've been going through a rough patch um, and some lovely things have happened as well, but uh, I've been going through a rough patch and why not be honest with you about that? Because we are going to talk about some strategies that have helped me and other people. That's what we do here on the podcast, which comes out once a month now, unless I feel like doing it more often. Um, just like work stress, um, trying to get something done and organized and planned and produced and worrying that I'm not doing a good enough job and people not being able to make commitments for different reasons and all that. Um, that happens, right? Like, that's just the nature of project planning. But I've also been going through some emotional pain and experiences of loss and grieving and, and the such. Um, and that's just life that happens. <laughs> but it's not always fun. I've found quite recently I've been so anxious, um, much more anxious than usual, and certainly depressed as well, uh, which is a, a really heady combination uh, to go from, you know, a heightened state of unpleasant arousal, unpleasant arousal, where your heart is beating fast, you're respiration is increased in an unpleasant way. You're not like going for a delightful jog, right? You're sitting and just watching TV or something, or you're in a meeting, or you're thinking about all the things you have to do, and blood flow gets, not entirely, <laughs> of course, but blood flow gets diverted um, from your extremities, at least this is what I've read, to uh, your respiratory system and your cardiovascular system. That would make sense so that you can fight, flee, or freeze so that you can have a lot of control over your body and respond in an emergency. Your pupils dilate a little bit to potentially let in more light so that, I guess the theory is, so that if you need to, you could run through light and dark, through forest, maybe dive into a cave, go underwater. I don't fucking know. If it wasn't clear already, I am not a mental health expert or a scientist. I am merely an advocate for people getting affordable and free high quality care where possible and also I'm somebody who deals with mental health stuff myself so I've been at a, dealt with a lot of anxiety lately haven't been able to really show up for um, certain things literally and metaphorically but what I have been able to do, thank God, is to talk to my talk therapist, to do an extra check-in with my psychiatrist, to buy an extra whiteboard and put a list of very simple things to do, like eat your breakfast, take your Prozac, do your breathing exercises, and we'll get to that in a moment, um, take out the trash, I don't need to put floss and brush your teeth because 
I love flossing my teeth. Fun detail, <laughs> but I do need to remind myself to feed myself, for example. Sometimes I find that having a whiteboard with a checklist upon which I put things that are simple for me to do when I'm not stressed, as soon as I find that that is just the best, because I can feel like I've accomplished things just by checking them off. Yeah, I'm also working full time and I'm a human being who has feelings and relationships and the such. Uh, and you uh, are a human with feelings and relationships and the such, presumably. What Sorber the Greek called the full catastrophe, I do believe. Um, during this time, I tend to, during these times of, of heightened um, anxiety or depression and or depression, I tend to go back to things that work for me and have worked for me historically. So one of those things is reading uh, Full Catastrophe Living by Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, PhD, who helped develop the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program at what is now the Center for Mindfulness at the University of Massachusetts Medical School at Worcester. Fantastic program. It's been around for 35 years or something like that. There are satellite programs around the world. And, you know, they teach mindfulness meditation, very simple yoga and stretching exercises, um, very simple things about nutrition. And this program is designed to help anybody who's going through stress. Doesn't claim to cure anything, just offers that it might help you. And it helped me. So, uh, I am remembering right now that it'll be nice to review that book, which outlines that program. Um, talk therapy helps. I am privileged in this country. It is a it is uh, something that is more often than not given to or only accorded to those with privilege, financial privilege. I am able to go to a talk therapist and to a psychiatrist, uh, and those things help me very much. And I'm very grateful for them. Um, so I do those things. I have other stuff I do around sobriety that is, you know, personal and helps me spiritually and in other ways. And, um, you know, I make myself eat greens sometimes. <laughs> when I realized I was just, like, putting sugar inside my person to try and get energy... I was like, oh, okay, and now I feel like shit. All right, there's a connection here. I got to figure this shit out. So it's not like I'm living the ideal dream, organic, local, plant-based diet, but, you know, I've made some adjustments because um, it, you know, puts me on... The, when the emotions are already inclined to be on a bit of an up and down, the, you, nobody wants to be on the, the sugar roller coaster. And I've had to watch my caffeine a little too, which I don't like doing because I love coffee. All of this is to say that sometimes during these times, I'll add something new to the mix to see if it helps. And I haven't listed all the things I do because it's a lot of things and who gives a fuck. Those are a few and I hope they help you. Um, however, I do like to try and add something new sometimes. Now, a lot of times... It's when I'm feeling good that I try the new practice, whether it's, for example, I didn't arrive at the fact that I enjoy yoga and Pilates, not that I do them very much, 
or taking long walks, I didn't arrive at that when I was in a moment of crisis. I learned that when I was feeling like a little bit better, when I was feeling good. I don't know when I was introduced to those things, actually. I can't recall right now, but starting to do them and learning that you like them during the, say, better times or the just sort of more uh, normal times can really help you when you're feeling crappy because you've got them in the toolbox. And there's some shit that you cycle out over time. I don't listen to the same Enya playlist that used to chill me out every time I got on a train. What's nice is that I I usually don't need that when I get on a train anymore. Um, But shout out to Enya. You're great in your castle in Ireland or whatever. Anyway, so I added something new. Um, uh, Recently, I learned a new breathing technique I am not trained and certified in teaching you the techniques, so I'm not going to try. When we do breathwork techniques here, it's very chill. It's very much just like, like, let's do one right now. Hey, if it's available to you, um, put your hand on your belly. Inhale so that your diaphragm inflates and you feel that hand rise up a little bit. Hold that for a few moments and feel that fullness if it's comfortable to you. And then slowly breathe out like you're blowing out the candles on a birthday cake. All right. That was a pretty chill breathwork technique. But there are people who are trained in this stuff. And initially... um. I was interested in taking a breathwork certification course. And then I realized, hey, Sarah, why don't you study for a while? (laughs) And then if you like the effects it's had on your life, you don't have to go right into teaching something. Like, come on. What's cool is that... um, my guest on today's podcast, whose name is Nathaniel Hottership, the founder of Breathwork for Recovery. That's breathworkforrecovery.com. He offers, and he and his team offer um, a course that can take anywhere from two to four years, depending on how you want to pace it, of regular work that is based on actual evidence-based scientific research And he brings in a really extraordinary staff of different individuals to help teach all sorts of things. Um, There is a uh, an individual who is um, named Bianca, who has a PhD and um, works on teaching intersectionality. There's somebody named, I believe, Janok, who's uh, has their doctorate in psychology that's the lead clinician um there's uh, someone named Anne who uh, teaches on gender and sexuality they teach about consent as you get trained in this course because that's a big deal obviously when it comes to um a situation where you might be teaching a workshop and you might need to adjust a student's posture, for example, and, and you don't want to do that to somebody uh, where it would frighten them or scare them or bother them. And also there are just things that come up when, when you do deep breath work, like really deep breath work, 
extended breath work, not just the stuff that we sometimes do on the podcast to just kind of relax or like a positive little meditative visualization that you might do. I do them all the time, guided stuff on YouTube or what have you. Um, and of course, headspace for meditation, love that, whatever. But when you go really deep, it can bring up a lot of issues. Um, there's someone named uh, Chana who um, helps with supervision of the, I, I think like there are situations where, uh, you know, you're doing a, when I got my master's degree in teaching at Teachers College at Columbia, you know, we were observed. We had master teachers who observed us and gave us notes. So I'm assuming that's what Shauna does. There's um, someone named Jennifer who works on some aspect called embodiment, which I assume has to do with how it feels in the body. Um, there's someone named Madre who works with intuition. Um, there's someone named Shaylee who's a licensed counselor and social worker, LCSW, um, who teaches counseling skills. Um, there's someone named, I believe, Lydia who teaches informed touch. Um, there's just, and there's some other folks as well who are involved. I've gone through quite a few, but not the whole team. So, I was like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. And then I thought about it more and was like, all right, I need I need to learn this. I want to be a student, which is cool because Nathaniel through Breathwork for Recovery offers um, individual sessions and astrology and all kinds of other things. Anyway, so before we get into this, I want to say that um, this Saturday, which is September 10th, 2022 at 11 a.m. Pacific, which is... 2 p.m. East. That's right. There's a breathwork group. They do a monthly breathwork group um, and you get a 70% discount if you go um, if with coupon code Sarah, S-A-R-A. I mean, it's really cheap to begin with. <laughs> I think it's like 25 bucks usually. So you get 70% off. Pretty great deal. I think it runs an hour and a half and it's kind of an introduction to... Um, breathwork for recovery. You do not have to be somebody in, in recovery for addiction, um, but you can learn this technique. And uh, I don't know, I'm excited. I'm going to be there. I'm not like earning cash from this or anything. Um, I will be attending for free um, this particular session. So I am looking forward to that. Uh, but you could attend for almost free. So you can go to bit.ly.ly bit.ly slash monthly dash breathwork. That's bit.ly slash monthly dash breathwork. Or you can just go to breathworkforrecovery.com, go through their menu of options. You'll find the monthly breathwork group and it's Saturday, September 10th. You can register with coupon code Sarah, S-A-R-A. I'll also put this in the show notes. Okay. Anywho, now that that's out the way, um, yeah. You're going to hear from uh, my friend and teacher, uh, Nathaniel Hottership. He's dope. He's a weirdo. Um, and uh, I think he's a benevolent weirdo. And uh, I'm really enjoying learning from him. And uh, I have a friend who works with him in like a business sense who enjoys it. And uh, I just think he's neat. And I, I think this work has value. So again, he's the dude, the human behind breathworkforrecovery.com. And uh Yeah. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Two more things about this episode. One, you'll note that the audio on my side sounds tinny and stupid like this um, because uh, I fucked something up, but it's fine. It's all understandable. Nathaniel sounds great, and that's 
the point. Um, the other thing is that I want to let you know that this episode discusses difficult things, suicide attempts, um, trauma, breathwork for recovery works as a trauma integrated uh, method, trauma informed, trauma integrated. We get into it. Anyway, I just listen with care, of course, and take good care of yourselves. Sorry about the audio thing. It's fine. Okay. Love you. Thank you. Hi, Nathaniel Hottership. <laughs> greetings. Oh, greetings, Sarah. Can we be, I think I should be really rigid this podcast. Does that sound? Yeah. Be super fucking rigid and really <laughs> uptight. All right. Well, I think so. that that's the vibe today. So, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely the vibe for me. So, so I, uh, I, you know, I haven't obviously done a, I haven't done an interview as the the five listeners of this podcast. No, I haven't done an interview for a minute, uh, by which I mean possibly over a year. I'm not sure. Several months at least. Um, and, uh, and I'm thrilled for you to be the first interviewee. Well, I'm, I'm honored. Yeah. Honored. Well, can you tell the, well, this isn't normal listening audience. Like, how do you, how do you describe what you do? If somebody randomly at a party or, or, or stops you on the street and goes, pardon me, sir, what do you do for your life? <laughs> uh, I usually tell them I'm very dry. I'm like, I, I make people cry for a living. That's what I do. That has been uh, accurate in my, in my experience. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that has been accurate. Yeah, uh, I work. Uh, it depends on it depends on the person, really, because I'm a I'm an alcohol and drug counselor also. So sometimes I don't want to get into like, hey, I do breath work. I'm just like, oh, I'm I'm a drug and alcohol counselor. I'm an addiction counselor. And then other times I'll talk about breath work. And breath work is a technique that. Well, it's an umbrella term that speaks to any sort of regulated and voluntary breathing technique that you use to, um, well, get in your body, feel connected to your body, feel connected to your breath. Uh, usually they stem from India, the pranayama traditions, or um, Qigong also, China. But I just speak to doing breath work and then let them ask questions. So I'm kind of shy actually really? i don't like yeah i don't like to i don't want to talk about myself i don't give a shit about myself oh is it, I... is it weird to do a podcast yeah you can totally swear okay great 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 uh i mean i've been on a lot of podcasts so yeah i thought it's, so it's it's great it's just like oh yeah here i am talking about myself for an hour yay <laughs> is your uh feeling of resistance around that which is totally understandable does it come from essential humility and not wanting to be the star of the show? Does it come from a doubt that you are worthy of such attentions or does mm. it come from a belief that just nobody will be interested? Uh, I would have to say the first one sort of I, like, yes, I'm so humble is like so arrogant, but it comes from like, this isn't about me really. This is about, my clients this is about the work this is about what breath work can do for people and so it's oh it's good for me to remember that's what it's about it's not really about me um because i'm just some asshole really is what it comes down to and the work the work is what's important so um 
you know, a lot of times you spend it talking about yourself and I don't know, that's not the important part. The important part is what breath work can do for people. So does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And it just brought up for me, I was wondering, like, for you, which came first, becoming a, you know, certified or licensed, I'm not sure which is the proper term, but becoming a a drug and alcohol counselor or um, becoming a a trained um, breathwork educator? Because obviously you were a breathwork educator before you started working um, solo or started the group that is, or the organization that is breathwork for recovery, which is, you know, um, a really amazing, amazing group, but like, did it start where you were training and breathwork and thought, man, I should also become a certified drug and alcohol count. Like how did that mm-hmm. start for you? Yeah. So I guess uh, I found breathwork while I was in treatment for addiction and alcoholism. I just come off of uh, some recent suicide attempts and just was at the end for myself. I just may, I was like, I'm going to either get in recovery or I'm going to succeed in killing myself. And that was the sort of mentality I walked into treatment with. And I found breath work, um, introduced to me by a lovely human named Corey Boris, now Corey Mergia. She is one of my dearest friends to this day and i love her name Corey boris and then uh now Corey mergia it's also a beautiful name um and i also just think uh she did a good job in naming herself i don't know anything about her i just want to shout out to her She's oh she got she got married so she she found the love of her life but the, when i met her she was Corey boris and good now. job with all your names yeah. Corey. shout out to you because it's very <laughs> i very i would name book characters that it's very maleficent anyway, yeah that's the most important part. Of totally, totally. It, well, she she really <laughs> is. She would never. She only have this discussion on us because she feels very much like it, it's not about me. It was never about me, Nathaniel. It was about you. You were the one that did the work. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I did, but but if you didn't introduce me to this work, where would I be? And there's some darkness that I don't know where I would be really. I don't know where I would be if I had not found breathwork and it had it not been introduced by Corey. So uh, I found breathwork and then I began studying under her mentor and uh, he became my mentor for a long, long time. And uh, I studied very, very closely with him for 12 years until I left the community for ethical reasons. And in that time, I had begun working in treatment as well, sort of um, leading breathwork, doing some meditation that kind of thing. And like, I wanted to get an education. I'm working with people's like deepest, darkest shit here. And it, I didn't feel that I had enough knowledge at the time to, you know, like I needed to up my game and really know what I was doing. So becoming a certified, certified is the word, not licensed, um, alcohol and drug counselor in the state of California. And then just sort of mix those two things. And I, I'm a voracious reader and I love knowledge and I just love learning and continuing education and all those things. So I've learned a lot of stuff, taken a lot of classes, a lot of courses over the years to sort of complement this work and gain a lot of understanding of what's actually happening. So counseling stuff came second to the breathwork stuff. Um, That's so interesting. That's really interesting because I think that when, when I read about the breathwork for recovery, I think it's an 800 hour um, certification program. Mm-hmm. 
part of what, what's cool about it and what's attractive about it. Not to me, I mean, it's not something that will apply to me personally, but I think it's cool is that um, that it it is something that a lot of um, psychologists, psychiatrists, licensed counselors, and social workers, marriage, licensed marriage and family therapists, like people who came to counseling first then can go and and study this because it, it counts as i forget what it counts as don't remember what it counts as mm-hmm. but it's like um it's adjunctive or complementary education to mm-hmm. what they do in in the state of california yeah absolutely we are approved through CAMPFT. Uh, which is California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists for continuing education hours. So anybody that's licensed in California can get continuing education through us um, via camp. So, and they're great. Mary, shout out to you, Mary. You're the best. Uh, Mary's on the camp team. And she's shout always, out to Mary. She's always looking out for me. So yeah, um, if, you're, if you're listening, by the way, if you're a listener, um, you don't have to be in California to, to take to no. take courses or work with anybody um, or Nathaniel. But uh, I also wanted to say that sometimes, so I, my master's degree is in education. Um, specifically, my focus was teaching English and reading language arts education. So I went to teacher's college at Columbia University for that. And a lot of times we would be shown materials for different things that offered what are called CEs. So if you're listening and you see somebody, you're not in a teaching or helping profession or a profession that requires CEs, you might sometimes go, why does my, you know, XYZ studio or doctor or, you know, this workshop say this counts as CEs for blah, blah, blah. It's just simply, and I know you all probably know this continuing education because there are some professions where to maintain licensure or certification, you are required to take a certain number of continuing education hours every year. Um, and I, I guess you can, in theory, like not be able to practice in certain professions if you're not keeping up with your shit, so to speak. Got to keep learning. Correct. And that is something that is really vital because our understanding of psychology, understanding of counseling, of therapy is change, can change so quickly. And the the best approaches, best practices change over time as well. If you're not continuing your education, uh, then you'll soon be sort of outdated, unable to keep up. Even, you know, medical doctors and people working mm-hmm. in the kind of conventional um, medical establishment have to take seats. Mm-hmm. They have to take these continuing education. And I, I find it interesting because when I think about somebody who whether, whether they come bringing it back to breathwork for recovery, wh- whether they come to the organization or they come to the courses, they come to what the certification, whatever they come to it as, or whatever their entry point is. I think it is very, very interesting to think that one is pretty much gets what breathwork is. Mm. Uh, and then to be surprised, even if someone's done pranayama based techniques before. Mm-hmm. Um, to be surprised by the depth of experience. And of course, I'm speaking about myself, the depth of experience and the depth of emotional release and the depth of the physical experience that in, that I experienced and that I know a lot of people do um, when, when you do this technique led in session. I was fortunate enough to do it with you, but 
I, I know you've got an array of amazing educators who are trained to do this work. Like, mm-hmm. it's surprising. And I would guess that probably some people who are used to even teaching in the breathwork general space, when they come to you, you all, they're like, what the fuck? This is different. Yeah, I, I would hope that that's the case. Uh, it, this breathwork technique is different. We don't really understand its lineage very well. I'm working with a doctor um, who is trying to help us trace the lineage, uh, Dr. Aurora Harmon, and she is doing the research for us. She understands pranayama deeply and um, is helping us to discover, like, hey, where the hell did this come from? Because a problem that we face uh, a lot in this community is appropriation. People just come in and say, oh, I oh, they come in and they'll do a session with me and then they'll take they'll take it and start leading clients through it. Um, but more importantly, people will just say, hey, I invented this. We see like uh, the Wim Hof method, yes. um, which, is, <laughs> which is very helpful for a lot of people. It but it's like, dude you fucking trained with you went and worked with Tibetan monks man like hey give some credit there like so it's you know white people doing the white people thing and like taking it and then claiming it as their own Um, yeah but but you're on you're in a cold shower in your bathroom (laughs) right different right i mean look that that method like i know i'm making fun of it but like that method helps people as you said Mm -hmm. it's really helpful Mm -hmm. people it's just important to go like shit like you you have for example okay breathwork for for recovery is the name of your company Mm -hmm. uh it is a registered trademark right Mm -hmm. that's a registered trademark not saying i invented this technique you're saying this is the brand name of my business my organization so I get to register this. Mm-hmm. That's like uh, sometimes I've had podcasts where I trademarked the name for no mm-hmm. fucking reason. Ain't nobody trying to steal those names. But <laughs> nothing that creative. That's different than <laughs> presenting something as if one invented it when one in fact did not. You got to give. I feel strongly about this, and sometimes it's by mistake. I'm, but sometimes it's quite deliberate. Um, you got to give credit where credit is due and say, Hey, this came from, you know, even like when I listen to, I love, I enjoy the headspace meditation app very much. I appreciate that those teachers and on an app, they don't pretend they invented that shit. Right. They made it palatable to the masses. Like mm-hmm. when Dan Stevens was working with Sharon Salzberg and did, I forget what it was called, but it, the, I appreciate when a teacher makes it clear that these techniques come from X, Y, Z. I didn't invent them. I'm helping share them. And you deserve compensation for time spent on training and time spent uh, as a teacher. Uh, you don't have to nobly just give it away for free, but it, you got to admit where it came from if you know. Mm-hmm. And I love yeah. that you and Aurora, who's uh, I'm sure a very busy physician, is are also... Uh, are doing the work to try and fig- figure it out because you, you've sort of ballparked it to right it's probably a technique that originated somewhere on the indian subcontinent and came from um from we're guessing but maybe not right yeah we're guessing that's the way that it's sort of been pitched but it's like uh these are you know 
who knows? Who knows where it comes from? But most likely, because most of the breathing techniques stem from the pranayama traditions, you know, qigong, uh, that sort of thing. So uh, it's important to give them credit because it's, well, it's important to help you understand the lineage, but also like the, we didn't, we didn't invent it. The, this work changed my life. It saved my life. It's allowed me to live in recovery. I was going to say live in happy recovery. And I was like, that's not fucking true, but live in recovery for the time that I've been almost 13 years. And uh, it's changed my life and allowed me to to make a living for myself and help other people, you know, that apprentice under me make a living and to be able to really impact lives in a dramatic way. And also, like, I don't own this shit uh, at all, at all. So, what would um? T- all right, tell me about the the breath work, the certification program that you're doing. Because yes, people can, and I want to make clear that I hope to. Um, continue to work with you as as a student of this practice and and to um you know access the online resources i know there's 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 some great stuff there's a a, you know a recovery circle there's all different things that breathwork for recovery offers Mm -hmm. but for folks who are interested in the 800 hour certification program tell me a bit about that and um you know there's a lot there it involves a lot yeah what made you want to create that and work with the diverse group of individuals who help um, make that program happen? Well, as I said, I worked with my mentor for many years and I went to so many different trainings and there are just tremendous, tremendously important components missing from trainings. And for me, working with the kind of people that I work with, because I'm working with traumatized individuals and mental health issues and eating disorder and addiction and that kind of thing, but usually the root of it's going to be traumatic experience. And because this is a trauma resolution technique, or I prefer to say trauma integration technique these days, like there was no education around any of that. And um, well, it's so dangerous. And yeah, it's like, here's 64 hours of training. You're well, actually here's 13 hours. Here's the first training and you're good to go work with people individually with no oversight. And, uh, that's not even like, okay, but there are people offering certification in a weekend only through recording. If you can go get, so uh, here I am pitching everybody else's programs. Hey, go get no, certified to do breath work. So. It's so, the anti pitch, right? Totally. Listen, like if if people are listening and, and you're not looking to do um, a trauma integration, you're not looking to you're not looking to help people heal from trauma by doing an eight hour workshop, but you would just like to learn some techniques for um, using the breath to relax uh, yourself casually. I get it, but even that stuff can bring up really emotional things. Some people. You know, you, now I feel encouraged if I go to a yoga class or I even watch a video where they go, hey, if closing your eyes during this part is scary or you just don't like that, keep them open. Pause whenever you need. Like when I hear these little moments where I go, ooh, they understand that this can bring up a lot for people. That's mm-hmm. important because this shit can, it can trigger a lot of fucking stuff. Mm-hmm. It can be scary. 
yeah, closing your eyes in a room full of strangers can be a terrifying experience, mm -hmm. terrifying experience. So to closing your eyes in front of a dude that like I work individually mostly these days and that is, can be a terrifying thing. Even just working with the dude can be if so. And if you're like a, say you're a young man coming out, I mean, I'll speak, um, this is just very hypothetical, but you know, I was raised in, in the Catholic church, which has a centuries old legacy of massive child abuse. So let's say you're a young man, you're in your twenties and you're like, man, like I'm, I'm trying to deal with this legacy of abuse that I endured in, in say Catholic school, shout out to Catholic schools that are great, but I'm just sort of uh, inventing a scenario mm -hmm. here. And maybe you're, if your abuser was uh, a cis man um, and you are a cis man and uh, you may not, you may think like, uh, all right, I'm, I'm going to go, I feel uncomfortable with um, cis man providers of, of uh, spiritual counseling mm -hmm. um, or what, or doctors. I'm only going to see women providers. And then you go see a woman provider for breathwork training and you have to keep your eyes shut the whole time. And you find yourself going, oh, no, I'm starting to feel panicked. What's wrong? Ah, and she's perfectly fine. But she keeps emphasizing, you got to keep your eyes shut. And then you go, fuck, I'm having a panic attack. I'm, I'm just not going to see. And I'm, you know what? I'm not even going to go to breath work. I, it's like there are so many different triggers and we can try to put we can try to round the edges of the table, so to speak, and, and go, oh, well, I won't go to somebody who looks like that or who has that gender, who has this or that, because that's what my abuser is like. But like, bottom line, if you go to see somebody who isn't open to an understanding of a traumatic experience and who is really forceful about not letting you do it your way, it can fuck you up. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's why it's so cool that you and your, and I should say, diverse array of providers in terms of gender <laughs> presentation skin color all sorts of things um it's so cool that you all are on the same page like about being receptive and about this whole damn thing i keep interrupting you but you know what it's a chatty kathy moment i know i appreciate that and i think there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying i the the team the faculty is incredible there's some of the best practitioners i believe in the world and they are uh, incredibly talented and incredibly wise and it for me why it be, became this is well jennifer patterson i think is a big part of the inspiration the conversations that we have um she's also one of the faculty members on teaching the training about embodiment and also altered states and just the conversations around this the idea of the guru and this guru mentality and that you know one person you know other tony robbins can be the guy that changes your life forever and it's his like his teeth are very impressive i have read about alleged about alleged inappropriate behaviors and the such it's out there you can look it up yes he easily He's got some great teeth, terrifying teeth. Terrifying teeth, also terrifying behavior. Oh, look yeah, it up. Horrifying. Easy, easy, easy stuff to look up. And that's really when it comes down to it, when you build a community of people um, by yourself, you know, like you taking all the credit, it leads to cult-like behavior and abuse. And that happens so often. Uh, I, want, I want this thing to exist beyond me. I want this thing to be built right 
And let's just say I fuck up one day and become a horrible human being or, you know, just embody my true self really is what that means and start causing harm to individuals. I want this thing to outlast me. I don't want to be like, oh, this is Nathaniel's thing. I want to be like, oh, this is a really incredible program. Too bad Nathaniel's a piece of shit, right? Like, okay, like we can move on beyond who I am as an individual because it's not really about me. It's about a faculty providing incredible care. Um, anytime it's like, this is, you know, that's, it's really tricky. Um, because am I spearheading it? Yeah, for sure. Um, also, these folks keep me accountable. My clinical supervisor is part of the faculty, Dr. Janak Vance. She's incredible. And like she's going to not, just because she loves and cares about me doesn't mean like she's going to let me get away with some bullshit, you know? She's going to be like, yo, Nathan, fix your shit. And that's why she's part of the team um, in, in a lot of reasons like that. So. It's important to have a diverse group of people because I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. I understand what I understand and I do what I do very well. And also, I don't have all the answers. And to present myself as the trainer that does is arrogant and also misleading and also unethical. So I said, fuck that. That's not what I'm going to do. I want to create a program in community because we heal in community. We heal in community. And this program takes, I want to say two years, but then I want to mm -hmm. also say two to four years. And I maybe made up the last part. No, you didn't. You did great. Uh, it's it's <laughs> two, two to four years because it's, it's a hell of a lot. It's a lot. I mean, it's a monthly training. You're doing weekly sessions, swapping. You are doing um, a monthly group with the trainer. You're doing a monthly peer-led group. You're doing reading. You're doing worksheets. You're doing a hell of a lot of work. And you do presentations yourself. I yeah, remember. totally. Yeah. yeah. Scary. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you scary. Got to do, do it. Yeah, and it's all designed to be like, I don't want students rote memorizing anything. So we work with the way they learn and the way they understand, and then they present in the way that makes the most sense to them. So there aren't, there isn't like hard and fast rules like that, that can, that need to be this, that it needs to look this way. So, yeah. Can you tell me about, and I can look it up actually on, um, on, no, I can't cause I'm recording. I think I can't do that, but can you tell me about some of the other folks who are part of, I'm going to say the faculty? Um, yeah. yes. Okay. Love it. Yeah, I talked about Dr. Janak Vance. Uh, she is incredible. She's uh, going to be, she's one of the lead clinicians along with myself. I've got um, Ann Hottership, who is my partner. They are uh, leading consent, uh, gender, sexuality, those, those three topics. They're doing well. Uh, Dr. Bianca Loriano, uh, she is doing intersectionality. Uh, Shauna Bryant is part of it. Shauna is, um, she also runs a program that was like the only other program that I really support. Um, the Breath Liberation Society. Shauna's going to come Ooh, in and teach us some stuff. That's a wild yeah. term. Yeah, she, she is fucking cool. I, I absolutely adore Shauna. Um, and I mentioned Jennifer Patterson. She's also a breathwork practitioner. Uh, her and Shauna are like two of the only practitioners that I really <laughs> trust. I'm like, go see them. Go see these two. They're incredible. There's, there's a few other names, um, but those two really, really incredible. 
um, Christine Ives. Uh, she will be teaching sociometry, which is sort of a warm up to um, psychodrama. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a I've trauma. Heard of it. it's, yeah. Uh, is it um, drama therapy? Essentially, yeah. It's it's like it's more complicated than Christine will like chew my ass about this probably. But yeah, you essentially yeah, you're not, act, you're not act like, out. Right. You're not like writing one person shows about right. um your feelings let's not right. be uh reductive about it but there right. are there is there is um acting mm-hmm. to my understanding this is very it's sort of like when somebody calls um training that involves movement dance therapy like yeah. there are some people who are dance therapists right that's very real but mm-hmm. not not all um movement based or body based therapies mm-hmm. are dance therapy so i don't want to say that yeah. psychodrama is like and then you put on a play like there's more to it than that yeah much more to it than that and it's just like sociometry is the sort of foundation for that like getting clients warmed up because uh the the quote-unquote resistance that you may see is not really resistance it's just a lack of safety or they're not warmed up yet so sociometry helps clients get warmed up get in their bodies so that they can engage in in therapy or therapeutic model whatever it may be um, Tahia Salazar, uh, she is going to be teaching us informed touch because like, hey, don't be touching people unless you know what the hell you're doing. How about that? That's a novel idea that isn't really. Yeah, it's been a huge problem in yoga communities sometimes like where you have, I mean, goddamn. Yeah, don't be touching people unless you have permission and know what they're comfortable with. And that's, uh, I love that. When I saw that, I was like, ooh. Like you know, I was looking through on um, Instagram is uh, breathwork for recovery, right? Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. so if you go to the Instagram, you'll see the beautiful faces of the different folks working, and you'll see also their areas of expertise or education. And um, I was like, oh, that's fantastic. yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, really quickly, so no one feels left out. Then there's uh, Madre Jaguar. They will be teaching us about intuition. Uh, Shaley Graham is going to be teaching us about um, motivational interviewing and other counseling skills. Ty uh, Phoenix will be teaching us about polyvagal theory. And then, of course, uh, our five cats, they're student services. So don't fuck around. Like, get your get your documents into them. Your staff. They'll be they'll be eating your homework. They're great. And then, of course, Dr. Aurora Harmon, uh, she'll be teaching lineage and history. Uh, and then Ayurvedic uh, physiology about what's happening with the body. And um, let's see, Yisha Sundram, they will be teaching. They're really, um, they're reviewing everything to make sure that it's rooted in um, an anti-racist approach. Uh, they'll also be teaching us, you know, how to apply anti-racist principles to your own practice. So um, uh, they are a consultant and also faculty. So, yeah. Um there's a few other people that will be part of it, but that's all I can think of right now. So, and all of them are great. And, They're all uh, great. They're, most of them are licensed professionals. Like they have LMFT after their name, mostly, or um, they are they are professionals at what they do. Like the informed touch facilitator is like a licensed massage therapist, understands anatomy. Yeah, that kind of it's thing. It's a really nice array too of people who are, um, you know people who are non-binary, who are trans, who are cis, who run the gamut of gender expression, 
um, uh, definitely femme heavy, femme presenting heavy. I'm just going to say, which I, I personally love, but, uh, there's, it's a diverse group of folks and I dig that it's diverse on a lot of levels, but the, the gender thing I wanted to particularly point out because that's, that's rare on, a um, you're looking at kind of any staff or faculty in training in what I'll call the, the helping profession, um, which is a very broad term. And it's, it's cool to see, like, yes, there are, there's racial diversity and I'm sure a diversity of um, areas of origin and religious backgrounds and things like that. But I, I noticed the, I was like, Ooh, we're expressing gender and presenting gender differently on this crew. This is cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so problematic in this community um, because of cultural appropriation and also, uh, well, um, the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, right? So, no, like well, the, we yeah. all we all live in that direct, right? Totally, regardless of who we are. We, if you were raised in this particular country, even if your people had different values, your family had different values, like that's still the overculture, mm-hmm. right? So, that mm-hmm. dictates a lot of if a school is seen to, um, or teachers are seen to offer something special and specific beyond uh if, if you're seen as an expert right you are uh you're probably i don't know approved by the overculture in some way typically right. so that means you have to kind of fit into that shit somehow yeah yeah so we we wanted to build something that is um that turns that all on its head because these are truly practitioners that know what they're doing and are also doing the work themselves. They're unpacking their own biases, their own uh, expectations. Uh, I trust these people. Everyone that's on the team, I trust with my whole my whole self. So, so Nathaniel, tell me what, in your opinion, your esteemed opinion, what do you think breathwork can do for people? Why? Why do people come to breathwork for recovery and what do they presumably get out of it? I know what I got out of just one session, but like, what do you hear people saying they get out of it? Uh, well, there, there's a two-pronged approach to this. One is spiritual and more esoteric and doesn't really have any concrete answers. And the other is more scientific and based in provable, replicable uh, events. I so, want both answers. Uh, yes. Damn it, <laughs> I am well. a journalist. <laughs> well, I'll give you both answers because that is my approach. I think that the science is, is deeply important, but science can be used as a weapon of colonization as well and erase the deeply spiritual beliefs of indigenous folks. And, and also like my fucking beliefs, like, hey, yo, don't take them away. So uh, it's important that this stuff is backed by science. Breathwork has been proven to be very helpful for, po- for, for folks treating PTSD, specifically uh, treatment-resistant PTSD. So trauma that is resistant to traditional methods of treatment. It's quite effective for that. Uh, anxiety, depression, insomnia, uh, trauma, and stress-related disorders as well. Uh, substance use disorders also. 
So that's all the facts there about breathwork uh, as far as you know what people come to to receive help with and breathwork can be very helpful with all those things. And also it you feel good. <laughs> you feel good in your body. Breathwork allows you to feel good in your body. And for many of us who have trauma in our bodies uh, or body dysmorphia or body dysphoria or all those things that we have uh, that often get pathologized, uh, we just don't have great relationships with our body. And breathwork is about connecting you to that, uh, the, the, the euphoria, the bliss, the pleasure that can be in the body uh, that we often push to the side because there's so much pain there too. And all of that makes sense. Like if you have traumatic experience or chronic pain or any of that, the body often gets turned into an enemy because the pain is there. So breath work is about building a more pleasurable relationship with your body. Certainly a more grounded one. And then uh, as far as the esoteric and spiritual, like you get connected to your life force, your life force energy. It's been called prana, chi, kundalini, nefesh, been called a lot of different things through a lot of different cultures and still is. And I like life force energy. That's what I call it. It's incredibly potent. And connecting to that changes everything. Um, my first experience with breathwork, it was like I snapped back into my body for the first time since I was a little boy. And there have been a lot of weirder experiences too. I mean, you're entering an altered state. So sometimes you experience visions. Um, and incredibly profound visions. And the work is, to me, it's like approaching those and meeting somewhere in the middle with that. Like, yeah, you want to heal trauma. Okay, you want to integrate your trauma. Well, we've got to approach the mental, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, and breath work can work on all those levels. And that's why I think it's so brilliant. Besides the fact that once you know the technique, once you're working with the technique, yeah, you can certainly go get a session with other people, but like you get to build your own practice. And that is the most incredible thing because it's, as I said in the beginning, it's not talking about me. It's about you and you having the power to change your life. And that I think is what breathwork is really all about. I um, I have friends who've benefited a lot from and are very enthusiastic about like consciousness altering drugs so mm -hmm. ayahuasca would be one example mm -hmm. um and different plant medicines that come from different cultures and mm -hmm. you know i have different opinions of and judgments about uh different people doing things different ways that are just my own shit that i project but i i do think that, that has nothing to do. I'm not talking about the value of it. I think the value of it is extraordinary. I think some like doing some shit like a, a tourist is not maybe not great, but whatever. That's those are my opinions. Um, I know people and I know there's listeners who have had extraordinary life changing healing experiences mm -hmm. using ayahuasca and other drugs in a guided way that is done in an appropriate way. Um, where the people who are benefiting uh, financially are people from the cultures in which these things are used. Blah, blah, blah. So having said all Love that. that, like all that, I, because of the program of recovery in which I am in, and there's a bunch of different ones that are fucking dope. And you all, if you're the listeners know, like I'm not an advocate for any one thing, right? That's not part of what I do. And that's not part of why I'm here. My program of recovery would be like, nah, girl, that ain't it. You can't do that. 
So because for me, that's mm. not an option based on the program that I'm in or what I'm working or what I've mm-hmm. chosen to do. Um, but I believe there's an extraordinary value in consciousness altering experiences, mm-hmm. but I can't access the ones mm-hmm. that involve drugs um, mm-hmm. because there's a solid chance I would just want to do them every day. And that's bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. They'd be like, you can't, no, you can't. First of all, you're going to, you might be shitting and puking every day, uh, right. Sarah. And it's weird that you want to expunge every day. Second of all, no. But um, right. but for those of you who've had very profound experiences um, through ayahuasca and other drugs, please know that I'm not making fun of you. I'm making fun of myself. Because You know, if you have done these things with respect for the power of it, that it's not some shit you do every day. It's not some shit you do for fun or recreationally. And it's mm. changed many of your lives. It's healed trauma. It's opened you up. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. I hear beautiful stories. Mm-hmm. So I feel this, I have felt this for years, this sort of like, yeah, I, I, you know, totally. I will say that I know it's not the same thing. It really is not. Everyone's experience is individual, but I will say that in doing a session with you, that I sort of got, I felt like I got, um, I didn't see fractals or anything groovy, uh, but I will say that I had an experience where it was a very, um, a huge emotional release. And I also um, felt, you know, my, uh, I don't know, just fucking laying on my my yoga mat from Target uh, on Zoom um, with some dude I was just seeing and talking to for the first time, although we had emailed ahead of time that, that I was so intrigued because I said, like, my hands were buzzing so much in uh-huh. such an intense way. Mm-hmm. They didn't cramp up or anything, but you had said that, like you had prepped me for what mm-hmm. would occur. And when I was listening, I was like, huh, oh, I guess that's probably some people who experiences probably won't be mine, but it was. <laughs> yeah. And that was so interesting to have. You know, I had said to you earlier um, in our session, I said, or maybe I said it later, I don't know. But when I used to be a stand-up comic, I thought it was so profound that comedians, um, and it's true for sketch and improv comedians, you know, must be inclusive of sketch and improv. Don't want to offend. Um, you That these performers are, clowns, et cetera, are doing something that creates a physical response in people, which is the laugh. And that mm. happens without touching them. Mm-hmm. And then that happened for me um, with learning this breathwork technique and going through a session with a soundtrack and the experience. Um, like the hands thing was wild. I've only experienced that. I said, and I said this to you too, and I said it to if you're a if you're a patron, hey, patreon.com slash Sarah and Casa. You heard me talk about this in an audio letter yesterday, the secret not secret podcast that you get four times a month. Uh <laughs> I felt like I got the benefits of panic attack without mm-hmm. a pan- without panic. I got the crying that was always a relief to me. I got I got the tingles. It put me back in my body. Um, but there was not panic. I felt mm-hmm. very safe. And like that physical, what are the tingles called? What's that? The buzz? Well, uh, that's your there's two camps again, scientific and um uh esoteric so that 
The buzzing sensation um, can often be labeled as respiratory alkalosis, which uh, occurs when the gas exchange becomes off in your body and your blood. So you're uh, exhaling more carbon dioxide. More, dioxide. yeah, you're pushing out all the carbon dioxide. Yeah, you correct. Like how I tried to say monoxide. You did great. She's a though. scientist. I'm a scientist. You so did great. Out, the, the, yeah. the emphasis in this technique is on the exhale, not on the inhale, much. Well, this one is more on the inhale. The, okay. the two, the two, wrong. yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. It's, 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 you've done one session. Are you, you know, <laughs> you're expecting a lot of yourself after just one session. So the, there's part in that, but also like that vibration that I'm less of the, yeah, okay, that could be it. But also like, where are all the unexplained things? Like when I start talking about you know my whole body it's the same as like when you're doing stand-up like your whole body becomes energized with this life force and uh, people call it flow or whatever bullshit you know they're trying to sell you but uh, life force i think is the way that i term it and that buzzing sensation you have access to that all the time you can feel it when you're in deep in meditation you can feel it uh, certainly when you're doing mind-altering drugs you can feel it um, when you're really connected to your body. And the breath just sort of allows access to that vibration, that energy that we all have. So life force is what I would term it. Again, it's been called a lot of different things by a lot of different cultures over the years. So Life force is a cool term for it because also I have many friends who are atheists. Shout out to atheists. I'm not one of you. Hell yeah. I love your work. Atheists are fucking dope and funny as fuck and skeptics and atheists, non-believers, whatever you call yourselves. Uh, and I like that because life force, like it's one reason I like doing the recovery work that I do um, because for, you don't have to call anything God or whatever, you know, the concept of a higher power could be, you know, could be yourself, could be a lot of different things, could be a tree. Um, but uh, I like the term life force because although for you know, personally, like I do believe there's some something else out there going on. Uh, life force means it's the force within you. It's mm. it's your it's your energy. It's your um, your humanity. And I think that's a really great all encompassing term. And that's certainly what it feels like. And you go, holy shit! Like I really was. I haven't felt. I haven't had that experience in specifically in my hands. Um, I think like the strongest and most all encompassing panic attack I ever had. This sounds weird for me to say this about an experience that has been so positive, but that's like one of the only things that ever I ever didn't mind about a panic attack was feeling all this energy in my hands because it reminded me, Oh, Sarah, you're still in your body. It's okay. You're mm -hmm. still in your body. That mm -hmm. was the thing about it that grounded me. And if I would start to cry at the end, the release it's okay, Sarah, you're still in your body. I love you. You're here. You can, now you can take care of yourself. For me, I didn't feel like I could, I didn't feel I was allowed to have emotions unless it was a catastrophe and a panic attack was a catastrophe. My body created and people yeah. could understand it. And then I could get to go away and be private with this technique. I got to experience release that I chose to be a part of. It didn't feel like it was visited upon me in a scary way. And I felt like I had a very helpful guide who was there, who wasn't going to fuck with me, who was going to see it and check in, which you did repeatedly. 
and like play some dope music at the same time. It was really cool. <laughs> Look, you know, eight out of 10 people just come for the music that I play. That's it. It like is pretty the, dope. They I want me like, to DJ oh. their wedding. I'm like, I don't fucking do that. Do you really get people asking you to DJ? Because no. I bet you do. Yeah, they, they, they I mean, yes, though. not, not like that. Like they, you know, they'll make it in it. Like, will you come, you know, will you come DJ for me? Yeah. No, well, I won't. What's cool about it was that you chose, I was, I, it was interesting because I, I felt that the music that you chose for this particular playlist was fascinating because it was all stuff for which I had cultural references. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, and I was describing it to um, a friend later, I said, I felt that listening to music during this process um listening to popular music from you know the past 60 years 50 years let's say actually mm -hmm. what time is it now i don't know um where, where are we in time but it was such an interesting thing because it grounded the experience in my cultural oh my pop cultural reality mm -hmm. so it was like i didn't part of the reason i didn't get scared was because I trusted you and I trusted the experience but also because I was like this is adding levity to the experience this is grounding me in reality and reminding me you know I'm not going off into the ether um it, it just helped and I fucking loved I love some Enya I love some random ass music from another culture with which I'm not familiar like by all means give me a massage massage therapist and put on some shit I've never heard of but this was great because I felt held and I felt it was relatable. Mm. Yeah, well, I I appreciate that. I think the music is one of the most important parts of it. Um, it can work really well without music, certainly. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I mean, what I mean is when you are playing music, that is a, an extremely important component to it. So, well, yeah. Nathaniel, thank, thank you so much for being here i don't even know if we got to everything that wait let me ask you again because i went blah, about but like there's so much more we could talk about but but like who who sh, quote unquote should who might seek this out and benefit from it in your opinion yeah i i think a lot of people are signing up who have maybe taken the training before and have feel not ready to do the work with other people because there's so many gaps in their knowledge. And these are usually really thoughtful people who want to become trained or excited to become trained. And then they took a training and the training taught them basically nothing. And I, it's, it's heartbreaking because there's so many people out there that want to learn this work. And then there's so many people that are seeing that and then capitalizing on it by building a weekend training and, and drawing up their own certification and saying, Hey, you're certified through us. Um, so a lot of folks that have already done it, um, I think there, there's a good mix of people who don't even know what breathwork was until like, wait a second, this sounds incredible. And they wanted to sign up. And then a lot of clinicians as well, therapists, um, counselors, uh, that kind of, you know, that kind of population as well. And then you know, Reiki masters also want to come in and, and learn it. So if you're like, you call yourself a healer, a uh, clinician of any kind, uh, just someone that's really interested in breathwork in general uh, can see the healing power or the healing potential of it. I think that, you know, it's designed for all those folks. 
the curriculum is comprehensive enough that even if you've been studying breath work for 20 years or that you've been a therapist for 20 years, you're still going to be learning new stuff and you're still going to be refining your technique. So um, it's built for folks that that would consider themselves an expert and folks who would consider themselves a beginner as well. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and giving me all this time. You know, you are a busy individual because running a school, you know, I know your cats do all the administrative. They do. But when the, when the dream of running a, a, a school and educational organization becomes reality, or if an artist or artists listening, um, when your art, art becomes your business, right? Whatever it may be. Um, a lot of times you end up being more occupied with the administrative tasks and the housekeeping than, than you would mm. like. Um, and I don't mm-hmm. know if that's your experience, but I do know that you are a busy individual. So I appreciate this. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, you definitely, my people, as I told you the other day, like, rare occasion i tell people regularly I'm like look i've met all the people i want to meet on the planet already like i have the p i love these people in my life i don't need to meet any more motherfuckers that's for sure you know <laughs> uh, clients clients not included i'll always work with somebody because i that is part of my work here is to help ease suffering that is the biggest part of my work um but like friends i don't need any friends and uh i'm always pleasantly surprised when someone sneaks in and touches my life in a way that uh, I didn't know it needed to be touched. So thank you for that, Sarah. Yeah, I'm so stoked to be your new friend and like hopefully your forever friend. And also when people say, um, you know, it's like a common, it's probably on know your meme. When people say no new friends, I get it. I get it. They're like, I'm fucking good. But then every once in a while, somebody sneaks in, you're like, oh, okay, new friend. That's yeah, exactly right. You just know when you meet people that are part of your clan, you know, yeah. that's, you just, they're there. Yeah. So, well, yeah. um, thank you so much.